This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on the Twitters. This is Mike at I am Mike White in the Twitterverse. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, you see? Yes, eh? Now look here. All right. <laughs> You'll never catch me, coppers. Welcome to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. <laughs> That's so great because this, I mean, we're not, well, I mean, we're not really doing like 40s and 50s gangsters. No. <laughs> Not so um, much, but that's fine. Uh, welcome to the, the 50s, right? We, I think somebody's uh, mentioning Godfather. You know, uh, Godfather didn't make the list because I think because oh, God, did it? Yeah, the first one was a uh, um a vault movie, and I think the second one's going to end up being its own thing and it, it, too. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, welcome to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, uh, whether it's a certain genre, a trope, a movie, or a show. Uh, each episode. Uh, I'm Matt uh, with my co-hosts Mike and Tiny. Hey guys! Hey. Uh, if this is your first time listening, you can find back episodes on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, at ovpodcast.com, and at obsessiveviewer.com. And if you're a returning listener, thank you for listening again. Uh, we didn't scare you off, <laughs> so that's great. Oh, you can go f- yourself. You see? <laughs> Jeez! <laughs> if you couldn't gather from the the way we're talking <laughs> in this episode, we're talking about gangster movies. Uh, which is, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. The, the genesis of this, I, this topic actually came from, uh, me, fini- me finishing, uh, the final season of Boardwalk Empire, which Tiny and I did a, uh, separate bonus episode, uh, devoted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the whole time I was watching, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna just disappear into gangster movies for like a couple weeks after this ends. But then, you know, life, uh, found a way to get in my way. Um, no, so I, I got a few, I, I was able to watch a few, but, um, what Matt did there yeah. was reference the great gangster movie, Jurassic Park. Yes. yes. You know, the dinosaurs were kind of like their own gang. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. That's a stretch. That's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, do we have any news or anything to go over before? Man, on, I'm the teaser for the trailer for Jurassic World came out today. Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh, well, uh, there was a teaser for the teaser. That's, yeah, yeah, right. it was a teaser right. for the teaser. Which, it was a trailer for the teaser. Yeah. It wasn't even a, te- it was just a clip from the first movie. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a clip from the first movie. Yeah. No? Well, it was just, yeah, it was the vibrate. I, you know what? I read that, that it was, but then I saw one that wasn't. Yeah, the one that I saw wasn't that. The one that I saw was, uh, it showed, it showed the gates to Jurassic World and then it says the park is open. Yeah, that's the teaser. Yeah. Okay. I didn't see the teaser, trailer. There was a teaser, teaser to that. Really? Yeah. So wait, is that the? T- no, that's not the teaser. That's not the yeah, teaser. That's that teaser was like fifteen seconds. Yeah, that's yeah. not the teaser that's coming out on Thanksgiving because that ends with. I thought uh, the trailer's coming out on Black Friday. No, 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 no. They're they're releasing a teaser or a trailer on Thursday during football. Okay. Like they, it actually says like, uh, see the full trailer or see the full teaser. Uh, at in football Thanksgiving, it was a weird, weird wording. 
in football. <laughs> yeah. In Thanksgiving football. Well, some, like, during the football huh? match. <laughs> yeah. Somebody lost a marketing job over that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's just really ridiculous. We talked a little bit about yeah. in our uh, Interstellar episode. We talked about uh, trailer culture a little bit, mm-hmm. and man, it's just this rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, it was dumb. Yeah, and plus, it's it's so it's like they're not done with post production. So like, if you see that, like the gates to Jurassic World just look like completely horrible CGI. Yeah, just because. Yeah. They don't. They don't have it yet. Right. And it's like there's this really interesting picture that's that shows a, a, a teaser from a still from the teaser for Guardians of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the first teaser, and then like the first full trailer they show the same one, and it shows like all the like upgraded uh, visuals and stuff. And I'm like, just I, I don't. It's weird. It's weird to me that they would do that. That that they would have. Something so early with such insignificant things, but at, like risk having shoddy CGI. Yeah, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Yeah. So anyway, so gangster movies. Gangster. Uh, yeah, we had a discussion in the pod chat actually about what qualifies a gangster movie. Uh, do one of you guys want to go over the definition? Sure. Yeah, I I think I'll kind of come from I'll I'll try to explain where I was confused first because okay. um we kind of came up with a list to start out with and and I wasn't sure exactly what constituted a gangster movie because um you know we I said well why don't we open it up to crime movies because I, I don't know I, I guess Tiny would do a better job of explaining why and then I'll and then I'll kind of say the the problem I had so Tiny you go ahead. Okay. Um, I sort of see what qualifies something as a gangster movie is it has to include, like, actual gangsters. Like, I think at one point someone brought up the movie The Town, and I was like, well, those guys are professional criminals, and they're sort of like a family, a group who works together, but I think there kind of needs to be, like, some structure and, like, some title to it. Like, La Cosa Nostra has, you know, the Don and the lieutenants, and, you know, there's actual... Uh, a hierarchy there, and I don't know if that really fits into that, which is totally nitpicking, right? Um, but but I mean, it, I think I think it's a better moniker to say that that is a crime film as opposed to a gangster movie. Yeah, sure. Um, and so I, I just see it as the, the the film needs to involve um, some kind of established organized crime group syndicate, syndicate yeah. something like that not even a syndicate just yeah, just an organization just a, a group of people right doing crime um <laughs> no i, 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 I was, think there needs to be organization there yeah you know what i mean and I, I thought about putting gangs in new york on on the list but mm-hmm. i kind of i mean the birth of the like organized crime was more kind of prohibition era stuff and right that's more of a precursor to the precursor to the movies we're going to talk about yeah so I mean, it does involve, and, you know, we talked about before we started recording, we talked about, you know, the, I think movies like Boys in the Hood, uh, Menace to Society, and Colors, um, uh, Do the Right Thing, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That qualifies as gangster movies, but I don't know. Maybe we're not really. Well, we, like, a lot of us haven't seen those. It's like, it's like a, it's like a separate subgenre. It's like more urban gangsters. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, yeah. Kind of even almost post, um, Post-organized crime era urban gangsters. Right. That that's the episode that we're gonna do. That's <laughs> so specific. That's so specific. <laughs> and when we when we mentioned that we were we would uh, maybe we'd, 
make it a little more broader and make make it be just crime movies. Like we agreed that it would be broad, and then I wanted to say, and I didn't get a chance to say this, but I was going to say that um, we should just do an episode where it's about two uh, movies that have two two or more characters in an outdoor scene speaking at least one line of dialogue. So, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think saying crime movies is too broad because there's too, yeah. ma- there's too many good sub-genres of that. Right. Gangster movies, there's heist movies, yeah. there's yeah, murder mystery movies. Right, crime thrillers, right. crime, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. It's too broad. Yeah. So anyway, so gangster movies. Um, I, I have a lot... I, I, I kind of did a cram session on some gangster movies because, uh, like I said, I didn't have a lot of time to really dive into it except for the past 48 hours. So I've kind of delved into the king of crime uh, of gangster movies and uh, Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I watched three of his movies. Um, and I, I have such a, such a, such a weird relationship with Scorsese movies. Um, I, I like the first movie I'm gonna bring up, uh, if you guys don't mind, is a uh, 1990s Goodfellas. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to do a gangster movies episode of the podcast. <laughs> um, no, but um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I I bought. It's funny because I bought I bought Goodfellas on DVD like uh probably 13 years ago hmm. um, when I was just like like 13 or 14 years old. Yeah. Um, I can't math. That would be 15. <laughs> um, what? It? Yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm anyways, old. anyway, so math, I bought it on DVD <laughs> and the funny thing is that I watched it once and I liked it cause you know, I was, I was a teenager and people got killed and mm-hmm. stuff like that and they cursed and everything. Um, <laughs> but I never revisited it. Like I've I've never revisited it. And it's to the point that I was looking at Best Buy and I was pick I was picking up the Blu-ray, thinking like, oh yeah, I need to get this to to watch it uh, for the episode. Not even thinking like, oh my god, I have it on DVD at home. I just <laughs> completely forgot it was a part of my collection. Wow. Which before I get into specifics about the uh, the episode, I I wish I would have had the chance to watch this watch this commentary track on it. But there are two commentary tracks on the DVD. One is with like the filmmakers and uh, with the cast and the crew and stuff like that. But there's one called the cops, uh, the cop and the crook commentary. Hmm. It's a commentary track from the real Henry Hill. What? And an FBI agent. Get out of here. Yeah. And like just to hear it, like like saying it, I'm like I want to watch it. Dude. With that, it's yeah, yeah it's insane. I, I think the real Henry Hill got kicked out of Witsec. Did he? I think he I was did. wondering about that because yeah. that's you know spoiler. Well, La, La Cosa Nostra uh, doesn't exist anymore, so I think right, he's right. not quite as at risk as he was. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so it, I just thought that that was really interesting, and I'll I'll probably check it out, and then I'll circle back on a potpourri section and let you guys know how it is. Nice. But I just thought that was really cool. That is uh, a cool feature to have. Um, but the movie itself, it. <laughs> It's interesting. I, I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved it. Um, and one of the things that really stuck out to me was uh, Robert De Niro is a supporting actor right. in the movie, and it's it's by all means it's Ray Liotta's movie. He, oh yeah, him and him and uh, um, Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just they shine in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and Robert De Niro is kind of subdued and everything, but he's still he's still a central figure in the in the story. But he's still a supporting player. Yeah. But it was just interesting to see that um, 
see that see that in this and and Ray Liotta, man, my God, I kind of wish that he hadn't, I guess, popped because uh, he's not really he's not that big that big of a name anymore. Right, he's not as a list as he should be. I guess. Yeah, because he was mm-hmm. great in this movie, and uh, yeah. one of the things that I'll get into this when we talk about Casino, which is coming up on this, but um, the, one of the things that I'm 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 troubled by Scorsese movies with is uh, he he gets away a lot with uh, voiceover narration. Um, have you guys noticed this at all in any of his movies? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, have you? Uh, sure. Yeah. I can't say I've seen enough of them. Okay. Um, we'll have to go back. Well, there's way too many to do a full retrospective, but we'll have to do like a a mini retrospective, a mini retrospective or something. Because man, I'd love to. Um, but anyway. Uh, so he has this, he has this, it's, it's less prevalent in Goodfellas, but it's more, it's distractingly bad, not bad, but it's distractingly, it's noticeable in Casino. Mm-hmm. But throughout the movie, there's just voiceover narration. And I couldn't really, I couldn't really understand what the motivation was in that as from a creative standpoint throughout Casino. But in Goodfellas, I kind of realized that, that's his thing. Like Scorsese, mm-hmm. he doesn't uh, he does he he places the audience into the lives of the characters in lieu of following a traditional narrative structure. Um and that's that's why he gets away with voiceover narration, because it's basically they're narrating the story. Mm-hmm. Um and it's more like you you don't get like traditional and maybe this is just the case with really Goodfellas since it was it was a biographical movie. But you don't get like the traditional like okay this is him as this is him uh, getting into the organization this is him thriving in the organization this is him turning in the organization all that stuff it's like oh hey here's here's Henry he's a kid he wants to be a gangster oh he's a gangster now oh yeah. he met his wife oh they're having a little bit of trouble oh they're okay now <laughs> oh they're doing this job oh this guy's kind of causing some trouble they're doing fine now it's kind of it's just like it's kind of just this. It's this even kind of um, realistic kind of flow, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that I really appreciated in Goodfellas. Yeah, not so much in Casino, but Tony, yeah. what do you think, Good- Goodfellas? Yeah, that's a good point about the kind of the peaks and valleys of it, like that, or just not even peaks and valleys, because it's not good and bad. It's sort of just it's more like a slalom, you know, just yeah. you know, a winding country road or something. Um, it's enough with the analogies, uh, <laughs> but. He, yeah, I understand what you're saying, and it is kind of it jumps a little bit. I, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really enjoy the the voiceover in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right that Scorsese sticks to that a lot. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's really like I, I've I've said before that I'm really not a fan of voiceovers. Right. I think they're just a crutch a lot of the time. Yeah. It's kind of all- Tiny had said that before. <laughs> 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 nice. <laughs> Uh, it, it almost borders on lazy writing sometimes. Oh yeah, or blatantly lazy writing sometimes. Um, but I don't think this is a case of that. I think I think it's it, when it's when it's used this way and when it's actually very consistent throughout the movie. Every ten or fifteen minutes, maybe twenty minutes, you get this voiceover, and it's sort of adding a level of authenticity to what you're seeing on the screen and in, and in the scenes. Um, and also the fact that you mentioned that it's a biographical movie. Mm-hmm. I think he uses voiceovers in his biographical movies because he's he he's always he always works closely with the real life people mm-hmm. and he wants their voice present in the movie as well. Right. And I think this is that's just one of his ways of doing it. And I don't I, yeah. I don't think it always works as, as well in his movies. I think this is probably his most shining example as Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Um 
but like in um, Wolf of Wall Street last year, I really yeah. did, really didn't care for the voiceover in that movie. I I was so I wasn't crazy about the whole the movie in general. Me, me neither, and um, I kind of forgot about the voiceover in it. Yeah, even. and so I, did I, we talk about that movie when it came out? I think. I think we mentioned it in potpourri. I think so too, because I think I watched it. I think it was definitely a potpourri episode because I watched it and I wasn't crazy about it. Yeah, it was definitely gotcha. it was one of the potpourri episodes. Yeah, um, it might actually be in the B roll episode. Now yeah. that I think about it, um, I wasn't crazy about it, and that's one of the things that I was. I'm just kind of like Mike. You said that you haven't watched a lot of Scorsese movies. How do you feel about him from what you have seen? Um, I like him a lot. I mean, I, I've said several times in the podcast that Departed is one of my favorite movies, and I think one of the three best of the two thousands. Um, I think he's great. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I, I agree. Like the Departed, we'll get to the Departed uh, later in the episode a little bit, but, and I, I want to say that, and I, I should have researched this, but I want to say that when he won, when he won the Best Director Oscar for The Departed. Mm-hmm. Um, finally yeah um i want to say that either in in the press or in his acceptance speech i want to say that he he like he admitted like this is like the one movie that has a plot um, <laughs> of his and i think that's part of the reason why I, I attach myself to it so much and we'll get to that later but um with goodfellas like i said it's a biographical movie so it's kind of uh it's biographical it's just it's the story of a guy mm-hmm. um and in it in it it's good. It's it's incredibly good. It's worth yeah. all the accolades. Um, I think what kind of sets it apart is the fact that it's. I, I think um, gangster movies and like organized Italian organized crime movies became mm-hmm. a thing, and it started with The Godfather. But I don't think any of those movies really accurately or with great detail went into the inner workings of the actual organization like this right. movie did. You know, he talked about how they perpetrated a huge heist the Lufthansa heist in the movie yeah and went into details and, and they don't they don't really they don't even show it like at all I don't think well it wasn't really a heist they basically just they basically just paid a guy off walked in there and picked up a briefcase right, and right. left I mean it, they, it, it, it shows the arrogance with which the organization right. operates because they call it this big heist but it's like yeah. you just paid a guy to turn to turn his yeah, or whatever. But, but we don't see any any bit of it. I don't think. Um, the, yeah, they, they show him walking yeah. out with Do the case. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I must yeah. have had my eyes off the screen for a second. And then there's um, the huge montage after that of all the, yes. the people they kill that were related to it. Yeah. Um. Very famous. And the the, the violence in the movies stands out quite a bit. Um, yeah. And it's really it's really effective. Like uh, there's a scene kind of early in the movie or about halfway through, where. Uh, Ray Liotta's character gets a call from his girlfriend who says that his, that her neighbor, uh, is, <laughs> has, uh, put his hands on her or something like that. Yeah. So he goes over there. And I mean, this is just like, this is one of the reasons why I think that Ray Liotta, I wish that he had a bigger career, uh, nowadays because, I mean, just the way that he just flips from just like kind of yes. a steady kind of like comfort, even comforting guy to just an incredibly intimidating guy like he's like he take he has her go in the house he gets in like his glove box or something gets out a gun puts it in his waistband walks across the street and then the guy the guy has like kind of this smug kind of douchey look he's like yeah. hey f- water or something and then yeah he's just like just like the look of just pure anger is on Rayleigh's face and he just takes it takes the gun out and beats him he with pistol the, whips him. He pistol whips him, like with the butt of the gun. And what's the thing that stuck out the most is the sound. The sound. The sound. The sound. It's just, it's so, it's so, 
your face hurts. Yeah, while you're it. <laughs> it's painful, painful. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's really it's really good. And uh, the last thing I want to really bring up about Goodfellas is that um, it's it the tension. Um, mm-hmm. Scorsese is really good at at depicting tension in in this movie. There's two scenes in particular. There's one where uh, Henry Hill, played by Ray Liotta, wakes up. And uh, his wife is laying on top of him with a gun right in his face. Yeah, and it is so freaky. Like it's mm-hmm. like I like my heart was in my chest, in my throat. Um, <laughs> my heart was in my chest. Uh, it's supposed to be. Yeah, my balls were in my scrotum. <laughs> my heart was right there. Yeah, it was right <laughs> move. Yeah. No, my 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 heart was in my throat, and I like I was like freaked out. I was like, "This is really intense." And then there's a scene later in the movie where um, Ray Liotta and uh, uh, Lor- uh, Lorraine Bracco, I sure um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but uh, where they're kind of really paranoid about Ray, uh, Robert uh, Robert De Niro, and like there's a scene where my God, like De Niro tells Karen um, that. He has like some free dresses in yeah. the corner shop, and so she's walking, and it's like she's like piecing it together, like she thinks that he's gonna try to kill her, right? And it's just like the way that the way that it's shot is like Scorsese, like has like it, it, I. It, it's a tracking shot. It's a tracking shot, like that follows her there, and it cuts to to De Niro kind of like waving her along like, mm-hmm. and all that, and it's just the way that it's all put together and edited together is really intense. Yeah. Um, Speaking yeah. of tracking shots, yes. this movie has one of the best of all time, hands yeah. down. The Copacabana scene where they walk through the through the Copacabana, go through yeah. the back door. It is legendary. So awesome. If you don't know, just YouTube it. If, yeah. if, if you don't want to watch the movie, YouTube that scene because it's oh, yeah. just brilliant film. And there's a couple other ones too, kind of not not to that level, right? But like the one where uh, where he's taking uh, taking Karen on a date to yeah. to it might be the same place. Uh, and they're walking through the restaurant. It's just, it's like those kinds of sequences are just so, mm-hmm. I mean, they're stylistic and in, in the Copacabana scene, it's, it's very much like it's full with, filled with voiceovers, mm-hmm. uh, describing all the people in the, in the place. Yeah. So it's necessary to that. But the other one is, it's just style and it's just mm-hmm. so, it's almost not, not really showboaty or show offy, but it's just a show, showcase of his talent. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Yep. Uh, so yeah, any other words about Goodfellas? It's a good movie. It is, yeah. Definitely, um, definitely worth seeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I should say that I've never seen this, and a lot of the movies that we're going to talk about I haven't seen. Uh, <laughs> so I'm kind of going to come, yeah. I'm coming to this episode as a, as a learner, as a student. Right. I recommend seeing Goodfellas, Mike, because it's, uh, not because, and like a, an easy way to say, an easy, an easy thing to say would be like, oh, it's iconic. You have to see Goodfellas, right? Because I mean, in terms of like gangster movies and stuff, I mean, Godfather and Godfather Part Two, obviously, trumpet. That's the um, obvious argument. Is yeah, it's iconic. But it's it's the the style of filmmaking is really uh, impressive, and even with the the crutch of voiceover narration, it still works. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. So yeah, I recommend that. Um. The next one is uh, in another Scorsese movie, uh, 1995's Casino. Yes. Uh, it's, it's basically about uh, Ace Rothstein, played by Ra- Ra- uh, wow. Robert De Niro, <laughs> uh, and his friend Nicky Santoro, played by Joe Pesci, yep. which uh, I didn't really talk about Joe Pesci that much in, in Goodfellas, but he was 
fantastic in Goodfellas. I mean, just uh, incredible. What do you mean? <laughs> he was good. Wait, was good. how 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 the fuck was he good? He was he was he was he was good, man. He was, he was no, just, you said it. Good. I'm just I'm asking you to explain what you said. How was he good? He, he, he was good, man. Was, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. You need to watch the movie to get that. One, yeah, Mike. it's yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I think he might be better in Casino. Agreed. Um, yeah, and it might be his best performance I've ever seen of him. He was a tiny. He is a tiny, tiny man, <laughs> but he was really intimidating. In yes, yeah. he played the muscle of the organization. Right, and the, the real life guy that he was playing was massive. Really, it was a huge. Like that's why people were like, "Really, Joe Pesci's playing, <laughs> playing little Nicky." So yeah, yeah, but he was um, phenomenal. Yeah, he was amazing. Um, and it was interesting. Do you know much about Tiny? Do you know much about the uh, the backstory about what it's based on? Not really. Okay, I, I don't really either that much. Uh, I do have from IMDb, IMDb Trivia. Um, I'm just going to read this just verbatim. But um, <clears throat> while the movie begins, by the way, it's about uh, Robert De Niro's Ace Rothstein. He's kind of in charge of the Tangiers uh, Hotel in Vegas. It's uh, it's a fictional casino hotel. Mm. Um, it's about his relationship with Nicky Santoro and, and the organization and everything like that. Um so this is from IMDb Trivia. Uh, while the movie begins by stating it is based upon a true story, it never uh, names the actual casino involved. The Tangiers Casino is fictional. The story is actually based upon the history of the Stardust cas- Casino, a fact well documented in the Vegas history books. Martin Scorsese, and this is the part that's awesome, uh, discreetly documents this fact via the soundtrack in which the song Stardust is heard three different times. <laughs> An instrumental uh-huh. version plays during Ace and uh, Ginger's wedding, and a vocal version is heard during the scene where Remo asks Marino if Nikki and Ginger are having sex, and also during the very end of the final credits. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a nice little subtle kind of... Wink, I guess, mm-hmm. but um, but there were some obviously some very clear parallels between Ace Rothstein and Arnold Rothstein from Prohibition era gangsterisms, mm-hmm. um, and also I felt like their his relationship with uh Nicky Santoro felt and maybe this is just me telegraphing my love of Boardwalk Empire and my um uh my interest in the history of uh, thereof uh it kind of felt like uh. The relationship between Meyer Lansky, real life gangsters Meyer Lansky and uh, uh, Charlie Luciano. Uh, no, uh, Bugsy Siegel. Actually, oh, Bugsy Siegel. Okay, yeah, because uh, they were childhood friends. Bugsy Siegel stole money from the casino. I don't think Nicky did though mm-hmm. in the movie. But um, did he? I don't think he did. Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, um, so anyway, but again, this is to get back on track. Um, narration. Yeah. <laughs> this. It bothered me in this movie. Yeah, it doesn't work as well in this movie. It it doesn't, and it was it was. I watched this before I watched Goodfellas, and it was kind of, it was just a bit too much. It felt like they were setting up, and like for the first twenty minutes, it's basically a narr like all the first twenty minutes is a voiceover narration of De Niro explaining the inner workings of the organization, mm-hmm. which because it's Scorsese, it it's captivating, but it's also like twenty minutes of. Voiceover narration. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost Mike. Oh, okay, he's back. I think I'm here. Yeah, okay, sorry. cool. Okay, um, but yeah, it's like 20 minutes of voiceover narration. Then I was like, okay, well, good, it's done. We're gonna get the actual movie. But then it's throughout the rest of the movie, and I'm like, yeah, it was just it was distracting. And, um, and the movie itself is too long. I mean, it really could have used yeah. some editing. Um, 
uh, Scorsese makes long movies in general, mm-hmm. but usually he uses his time relatively well. I think there was just, especially towards the like the second third of the movie, maybe even the last third of the movie, all of the stuff with um, Ace and his wife, their mm-hmm. conflict throughout so much of the movie, which like we didn't need to see all of those scenes. I don't think yeah. they were well done because Sharon Stone was terrific in the movie. Um, everyone was terrific in the movie, but I, for some reason, I just think it was. It was just too much, I guess. Right. I, it, it would. I just. It just didn't, I just didn't care as much about. Yeah. About that, as opposed to the you know the interworkings of the the crime syndicate. Yeah, and and it comes at a price too. Um, like to fit in all those, like some of the stuff, uh, uh, like uh, I guess, spoilery, I guess. But uh, Nikki, because he gets, uh, Nikki gets blacklisted from Vegas pretty right. much, and so he's he's not allowed in Vegas per the gangsters running Vegas. Mm-hmm. So what he does is he starts ripping off uh Vegas establishments, I guess. Yeah. Um but it's all told in voiceover narration, montage sequences, and it's like yeah. it felt like they were just glossing over important uh character development. Mm-hmm. Um But the movie is still good though. I mean yeah. there's oh, yeah. uh, I feel like we're ripping on it a lot, but it's it's a quintessential movie to see because it's as far as this category goes because it again it it delves into the interworkings of this crime syndicate but it also talks about how corrupt Las Vegas used to be right um, and corrupt is an understatement because I mean it, <laughs> yeah. you're talking about government and organized crime just completely in bed together yeah. uh, and it's it shows the extent of that there's a really cool tracking shot about kind of how the money the money gets out yes. a dude would just walk into the counting room with a briefcase and walk out with a couple hundred grand yeah and take it to kansas city and new york city and right yeah it was pretty it's pretty interesting but yeah. uh yeah the movie really cool yeah the movies the movie's just a little too long <laughs> yeah yeah and it and it it lives it came out five years after goodfellas is written by the same screenwriter um based on the, an adaptation of his book uh nicholas pig I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, <laughs> I love how he gave up. Yeah, I'm gonna Pig, butcher it. I can't. Yeah. Italian. Um, Italian. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nicholas Italian. Um, <laughs> but no, he. Uh, it's written by, it's co-written by him. I think Scorsese also worked on the script, but it's it still lives in the shadow of Goodfellas because it's not it's not quite as captivating as Goodfellas, yeah. even though Pes- uh, Pesci's performance is is better. Right. Um, and also the movie involves not not going to spoil it, but there's a murder towards the end that is just uh, I, I almost can't watch it. <laughs> it's so gruesome, and the sound again. There's mm-hmm. sounds involved that are just, and it involves Indiana. It's a cornfield, and I think it's in Indiana, isn't it? Is this uh, Joe uh, Joe Pesci commits this murder? You'll see. <laughs> okay. um, is it? It's, is a, it, it's a cornfield. Yeah, I think it's in Indiana. I can't remember if it was in Indiana or not, but yeah. Maybe um, Iowa or something. Does it involve a baseball bat? Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. That's what I figured. Yeah. Oh. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, to kind of round out the, the Scorsese discussion and to bring Mike into the fold a little bit more, <laughs> um, The Departed in, uh, 2006. Uh, yeah, man. God. <laughs> I, I watched this again last night. Again, this is a movie that I haven't seen for a couple of years. But my God, it's so good. <laughs> it's ridiculously good. It's, yeah. Mike, what do you think of The Departed? You said it's one of your favorite movies. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, this this movie was so good. I thought it was so good that um, 
when the Bears lost the Super Bowl in January or February, whatever, yeah. uh, 07, after their 06 season, mm-hmm. I remember like considering if, um, if the departed won best picture, that it would relieve some of the hurt <laughs> from the Bears <laughs> losing. I just, just cause uh, a lot of the, a lot of the movies that I had been rooting for at the Academy Awards had been losing the last several years. And, uh, and I just, it, I was losing faith in the Academy Awards, uh, which I have none now, but that's <laughs> right. beside the point. Um, the Departed is, is one of the most deserving best pictures I can think of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. good. Um, yeah. And, oh my God. And it's, it's funny because while I was watching, I was kind of trying to, I was, I was watching it and I was kind of picking up on some things that I, I'd forgotten about. Um, notably that, it, like, while, while, uh, while Frank, uh, Costello, uh, played by, uh, J- Jack Nicholson, wow, <laughs> um, which, I mean, this can also go back to our talk about, um, this could also, this could also go back to our talk about, uh, The Shining, but, I mean, Jack Nicholson was playing, like, just crazy. Yeah. Um, yep. which was, was great, but I feel like the character wasn't, he was almost cartoonish, but he wasn't the focal point of the movie. The movie was about no, yeah, yeah. He he was he was cartoonish in a role that kind of I don't want to say needed it, but benefited greatly from it. I think yeah, it it brought a certain I I hesitate to say this, but it almost brought a certain levity to the movie because we're watching uh, Matt Damon and Leo DiCaprio. Like their their performances are out of this world in this movie, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. they're just showcasing so much like emotion. Uh, like they're 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 both playing these people that are like that are living in deception, and that they are basically they're struggling with it so hard, and that's manifesting itself in in a variety of different ways. And especially Leonardo DiCaprio's character, I mean, he's completely alone. Yeah. Um. And then there's also kind of this subtext involving kind of a father father figure kind of thing with Leo DiCaprio and Martin Sheen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, Matt Damon and uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, to an extent. Only one of us is a cop here, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Not a <laughs> cop. <laughs> um. But yeah, oh god, I loved it so much. It's such a quotable movie. It really, really it's is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm the guy who does his job. He must be the other guy. <laughs> Love Mark Wahlberg in this movie. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I've, I was never real crazy about Mark Wahlberg. I mean, he's good for certain things, uh, but man, he was perfect for this. Uh, as a, as a troubled youth and growing up in Boston, he based his performance on all the cops who were jerks to him when he was a kid and he i mean he was perfect i think i was pretty disappointed i was kind of disappointed when he didn't win the husker that year right um but yeah in and in, in hindsight maybe i can't remember who won but whatever yeah right um have you guys ever seen infernal affairs i, I was just gonna say that tiny you have right i have yes and how is it it's so similar i mean it's <laughs> uh, i that's that's kind of the the elephant in the room uh, with this with this movie is that it is basically a remake. I mean, um, yeah, right. it is a remake. Uh, it and, is a remake, right? Yeah, and it, that that's that's unprecedented for Scorsese. I mean, he he does base his movies off of their adapted films, right? right. So, but but this is um, this is just a blatant 
remake. Uh, but but it's I, I I think this movie's better. Um, Infernal Affairs is very good. I I, I was really pleased with it. Um, mm. Actually, Chinese cinema is kind of underrepresented in the United States. Right. There's a lot of good Chinese movies out there. But um, but yeah, the, it it was a great movie and the performances are really good. But I mean, it's just like. You got it's Scorsese, man, and yeah. you got Jack Nicholson. It's just <laughs> you, you know you have you just have bastions of of film icon iconography, mm-hmm. you know, compared to a foreign Chinese movie. You know, what right. I mean? it's just like I don't mean to be to be mean you're a little xenophobic, but a that's fine. Bit, yeah, um, no, uh, <laughs> I had a I had a roommate toward the toward the end of my college, one of my last semesters, my last semester, mm-hmm. and uh, he was he kind of. I'll say that he had an obsession with Asian culture. I mean, he ever since his first Bruce Lee movie, he was obsessed. And so he burnt a bunch of uh, DVDs for me and gave them to me. And one of them was Infernal Affairs. And basically it was it was his subtle way of saying that uh, making fun of me for loving The Departed as much Uh, as I did. Because uh. Infernal Affairs is, is, in his opinion, a superior movie. Clearly, uh. I I was gonna make a joke, but I I don't know. I lost it there. Was you, was your roommate your last semester? Fourteen year old Matt Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't, yeah, I was gonna say, like when you said I had a roommate, I was like, oh god, he's gonna bring out my thing about Kurosawa um, and Japanese uh, samurai movies from the forties and fifties. Um, <laughs> check out my decade reviews on uh, obsessiveviewer.com. But um, Mike, did you ever watch Infernal Affairs? No, I haven't okay. gotten around to it. Uh, Tiny, would you recommend buying it? Mm. If it's cheap, maybe. I, mean, I think it was like six bucks for the Blu-ray on Amazon. Well, I, I feel like yeah. they had the trilogy a while ago. Yeah, and I wanted Very... to get the trilogy. It's a trilogy. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get the trilogy, but it's like out of print on, on like the trilogy oh. box sets are out of print. Like I and I can get like the first one on Blu-ray and then the other two on DVD for oh. like ten bucks a pop. Yeah, but then I'm just really this is just my craziness coming through. But I'm like. One small box and then two yeah. DVD boxes. I don't know. <laughs> right. But I'll check it out eventually. Um, yeah. Uh, there was another thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, very early in The Departed, I watched this after watching Casino and watching uh, Goodfellas. And all I thought during the opening montage, uh, after the opening kind of kind of uh, voiceover narration, which is subdued in this movie quite a bit. It's, uh, it's only yeah. in the beginning. Um but during it, uh, all I thought was, my God, Scorsese has such a hard on for the Rolling Stones. He does. Because that's the third movie that I'd watched of his that has the Rolling Stones' uh, Gimme Shelter in it. Um, and I'm like, I, I was just like, kind of like, didn't he, didn't he do a Rolling Stones he did documentary? A, a documentary, yeah. Did he? Oh yeah. He's also yeah. got, um, uh, with Terrence Winter in, in, uh, a deal with HBO to do some rock and roll, 1970s rock and roll movie or TV series yeah. with Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think it's called Shine a Light. I think that's the name of the Stones documentary. Yes. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I never saw um, it. But. Yeah, I'm surprised that it wasn't like called like uh, just a shot away. <laughs> that's what you hear in all those movies. <laughs> um, I think that's what. Anyway, um, I think what's unique about this movie, as far as Scorsese goes, not necessarily 
gangster stuff. So a little tangent here, but what sets it apart is the fact, I think it's how complicated it is. Um, and, and you, you mentioned earlier his quote about the fact that it has a plot. It's one of his first movies that has a plot. Right. Um, that's really prevalent in the movie because it's, you have a lot to follow here. You know, you're, it's a, first of all, it's a long movie. You're dealing with two people who are betraying huge organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're dealing with love triangles and, and just all crazy people, drugs. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff going on and it's sort of hard to follow. You almost need to see it more than once to really grasp it. Um, and I think that sets it apart from, other Scorsese movies in a wonderful way. I wonder if maybe he had stuck to a similar, a similar format with his older movies. If maybe he would have been a little bit more accepted in the in, in the awards community because yeah. he he he's wow. been a, he's been a huge critical success throughout his whole career. Right. No oh, one yeah. no one oh. can take that away from him. But he just he just couldn't couldn't quite get that Oscar right for thirty plus years. Yeah. I so. mean, he had like. I don't, like he had a cameo in Entourage. I mean, couldn't yeah. that should have? I'm just being <laughs> I'm being a dick. But anyway, um, yeah, and it, it's it's uh, that's that's a good point, and I, I kind of wonder. But I'll have to go back and see more of his movies. But mm-hmm. I I mean, good for him for not bucking to to those kinds of uh, right things. Because I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I don't remember his acceptance speech or anything like that. But I mean, for a guy to be doing this for many many years uh and sticking to his kind of thing i mean like there's i feel like uh, this is completely baseless but i feel like he wouldn't really be bothered about not getting an award yeah not getting an oscar because he's still doing the same thing he's not trying to to go for it he's just making really good movies right um but you mentioned the love triangle and i want to talk about that vera farmiga um in the movie though yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just had a brain fart. Um, I loved her in this movie. She's great. Yeah, and and I loved her character too because that that could have been such a just that could have taken everything away from it. Like, cause it could have been what what she is is she kind of grounds the story. She's the connection between the two decepting people of the mm-hmm. movie, and and she both interacts with them in very different, sometimes similar. Um, <laughs> ways but it, and it's so it's so intricate and interesting because it feels so normal like i mean uh, just the um like it could have it could have been like a it could have been like a kind of almost cheese ball kind of love triangle thing but it's more like a the connection of of showcasing the emotions of the characters there like we find out that um matt damon uh has some trouble with his with his uh Sexual performance. Sexual performance. Yeah. And it's because I, it's inferred, um, uh, because of, you know, he's living a double life. He's right. doing that. And then, uh, and then, and then Leo DiCaprio, he's just like, I mean, he's just, uh, he blew my mind in this movie when I watched it again because he's mm-hmm. so good at internalizing his, his, uh, his emotions and, and show, like, like putting it into his, uh, his physical performance, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like he, like when he goes off on her in, in the, in, in the office and he's like, he's like, all right, well, so these, these two pills that you're giving me, they're not, they're not going to, uh, is it enough to kill me or am I going to have to put a, put a pistol in my, in my, 
mouth or something. He said something really Why don't cool. Why you just give me a bottle of Jack Daniels and a shotgun so yes, I can blow there you my go. brains out? Yeah. yeah, and then he's like, and then as he's leaving, he's just like, and if that was a legit, think about if that was a legitimate threat. Right. <laughs> and I was just like, my, that just blew me away. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's such an interesting dynamic in this movie because both of yeah. these guys are, one is has a professional and romantic relationship with her, the other mm-hmm. has a romantic relationship with her. So right. you're supposed to have a you're supposed to be able to confide in that kind of person. Yeah. But they both have this massive secret. You know, they're trying to be open with this person. Right. But they cannot they cannot use this person as the kind of confidant that they want. And it's Absolutely. It's so it's so great to watch them weave that that tapestry of deception with this person that they're supposed to be candid with. It's really good. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree completely. And it uh and just seeing the kind of fallout of that cuz there, there are times when, like, cause, cause, like, she pushes Leo, Leo DiCaprio away, uh, mm-hmm. kind of late in the movie, and then there's, there's another sequence, uh, heading into spoiler territory, but where she's kind of just distancing herself from Matt Damon, and it's just, it's so, both hit like kind of, kind of hard. Um, yeah, and he tries to, he, he, William Costigan, Leo DiCaprio's character, really needs someone as a confidant. Yeah. Like, cause he's actually the good person here. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Damon's a terrible person. And so he, after she pushes him away, he kind of moves closer to Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets him killed. Yeah. And it's really, you know, it's just, it's just one more horrible thing. God, that's for scene. his character to deal with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's such a great movie. Um, and also when and it made me want to watch Heat again, mm. um, because it just reminded me just seeing like these two, these two characters that are on opposite sides that are like they're, I mean they're just incredibly they're the focal point of the movie, but they never interact mm-hmm. until late in the movie. It just reminded me of Heat with uh, Pacino and uh, De Niro. Right. Um. Yeah, which I'll have to see that. Maybe that'll be our crime movies episode. Yeah, heist movies. Um, yes, heist movies. Heist movies. Yeah. yeah. Blom. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Any other thoughts on 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 The Departed, Mike? Do you have anything? More? I I don't I don't think there's any more to say about it that I haven't already said. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. All good right. Good movie. So, very good movie. All right. These uh this next one I don't I didn't get a chance to watch it again, but um. Uh, What'd you guys think of Road to Perdition? Really good movie. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's one of those <laughs> ones, uh, Matt, that you told me to watch in college and I did. Mm-hmm. And I remember really liking it a lot. Uh, it was in my Tom Hanks can do no wrong phase. I think I'm still yeah. in that phase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So is Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. That's, you're right. That's exactly right. Nice. Uh, so I like it a lot. It, it doesn't stick out as one of my favorites. I think my brother would call it one of its favorites, but, uh, it's good. It's really good. Of course it's good. It's sort of, for a gangster movie, it sort of lacks a concise villain. That's true, yeah. I mean, you have, um, uh, oh, geez, why can't I think of... Uh, Jude Law? Yeah, uh, Jude Law, but Jude then Law, who's the, yeah. the... I want to say Robert Redford, but I know that's not right. Um, the old the old guy, the old boss. Um, oh, uh, um, oh my, uh, uh, Paul Newman? Paul Newman. There Jeez, you go. Thank you. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, they're, they're kind of the adversarial, well, they're, they are the adversaries in this film, but they're, you know, they're two different characters and they're, they're not really connected. Jude Law's character doesn't really say much. He's, he's more of a, almost like, <laughs> almost like a, 
like a, a Grim Reaper type of character. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. He's... And then there's also um, Daniel Craig. Yeah, that's true. Good point. I forgot yeah. about Daniel Craig. But anyways, it's I, th- I think it's just it lacks some it lacks some uh, some uniformity throughout the movie in that sense. Yeah. Not necessarily to discredit it, mm-hmm. but it's it's just different, and it's it's maybe not what people are used to. They're used to just pointing their finger at the one bad guy, sort of, and this doesn't necessarily have that. So I think right. that's what kind of sets it apart. It um, doesn't have a Frank Costello. There, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, but it's it's just a terrific movie. There's mm-hmm. uh, such a great um, the perspective of it. It's it's sort of told from the perspective of the ten year old, twelve year old boy. Yeah. Um, and you see it. He's sort of retelling the story. There's more voiceover. Right. But it's it's fine. It's not it's not overwhelming or underwhelming. Worth mentioning. It's Sam Mendes, not not uh, Scorsese. Not that anyone right. sets, but right. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, th- that perspective makes it very fresh because you're not used to seeing this kind of story told from that the perspective of a child. Right. Um, it's a really good idea. Yeah, and it um it takes place during like Prohibition era, mm-hmm. maybe like on the cusp of the Great Depression. The even. Depression era. Um. Yeah. Um. And I mean, it, it, he interacts with some historical characters like Frank Nitt- uh, Frank Nitty um mm-hmm. is is in there. I think. I, oh man, who played him? Um. Uh, the guy that was in, I, I can never remember his name, the dad in EZA. Uh, he was also in The Lovely Bones. Oh, um, Stanley Tucci? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think he played, uh, Frank Nitty. Oh, that sounds right. Um, yeah, but it, uh, and it's funny because, and I wish I would have been able to revisit it because, like, I referenced before, I'm a huge fan of, uh, Boardwalk Empire, and that takes place in the 20s, and it, it would be interesting to go back and see this movie playing, like, like taking place in a similar um, time spent uh, uh, time era, um, and seeing comparing how how I feel about the two because I mean just w- watching Boardwalk Empire made me really interested in that era and and gangsters in that era, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't seen Road to Perdition since I started watching Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, um, but I love that I love that movie. Just uh, the aust- uh, the aesthetic of it is just so so beautiful. Just the kind of just yeah. the way everything shot the, the 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 lighting and a lot of stuff. There's a lot of dark dark scenes. There's and I I, I might have this wrong, but uh, the characters die early in the movie. Not to not to uh, spoil it or anything, but um, and you just see like a shot of the house. And correct from correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't uh, Daniel Craig going in the house. It's a static shot of the house, and you just see like light from the windows. That sounds. As shoots. You see muzzle yeah. flashes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just stuff like that is just it's beautiful to watch, it and is. it's gruesome. Um, and then and maybe it's uh, and then like after that, I'm probably getting the scene completely wrong. But and again, Tom Hanks can do no wrong. He goes in, sees the scene, and he's just like you just hear his scream, a blood curdling scream. Yeah. And it's just it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I really, really love that movie. Um, this was this was and uh, during a time when uh, when I was going through a bit of a Sam Mendes can do no wrong phase, right? Um, which I need to revisit. <laughs> Yawn. Yeah, which I need to revisit his um, his his filmography. Yeah, and this movie set, sits apart from the other three we mentioned because those other three are really about the crime about yeah. the being a gangster mm-hmm. stuff like this where this is about it's really about a father and a son yeah and their relationship and and, and how a son grows to f- 
find respect for his dad despite what he has done right. with his life. And um, there's some great comic relief too, um, <laughs> yeah, like him is. teaching him how to drive, and, yeah. and it's really good, like father bond, father and son bonding moments. Um, yeah. It's kind of a road trip movie, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the second third of it, maybe. Yeah. And uh, and we I neglected to mention this when we talked about Night uh, Nightcrawler, but uh, there's a scene. There's a scene in Road to Perdition where that there's a scene in Nightcrawler that reminded me of this scene from Road to Perdition where um uh the the kid asks for more money and uh he's like or or uh or Tom Hanks is like yeah how much do you want since they they start robbing banks and stuff like that yeah. um and then he's like uh I want this much and then he's like all right and then the kid's like <laughs> could, could I've got more and then uh and then Tom Hanks is like you'll never know. <laughs> I'm like that's so and it's it's played so differently like that similar scene is played so differently in Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Uh but in seeing like in Road to Perdition that's it's my favorite scene in the movie probably. Um just because it's it's so it feels so natural and so mm-hmm. like you can feel the bond between the two characters. Yeah. Um yeah and I I love it and I wish I had more to say about it but yeah. Hmm. Um any other thoughts on Road to Perdition or should we Worth seeing. I need to. I need to put it back on my need to watch again list. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're gonna do one more movie. Um, Briefly. Yeah, because I I haven't seen it, and yeah. Uh, but uh, Gangster Squad. It's a more contemporary movie than these other ones. Yes. Um. Well, it came out a few years after Road to Perdition, I think. But right. Um. What What do you guys think of Gangster Squad, Mike? I know you've seen it, right? Yeah, I remember uh it came out in January uh which is kind of a is kind of a dumping ground as we know mm-hmm. after kind of the the awards push uh and it felt like a dumping ground kind of movie which is a shame because the cast is is stacked. It is. Right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean it's uh obviously Sean Penn, uh, uh Ryan Gosling, Josh Brolin uh, and it was supposed to be good. And I remember being really excited about it. Yeah. And then just thinking when it was done, that it was just all right. It was, it, it had, um, I, I wish I could, I wish I could elaborate, but there's something about the aesthetic of the movie that's, it's almost like it's too glossy, but it almost needs to be because it's kind of like a roaring twenties sort of thing. Uh huh. Yeah, I I don't know, but it's there was just something about the aesthetic of the movie that sort of took away from the grittiness that it needed, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's just a it's a phenomenal idea for a movie. I mean, it's based in I think it's very loosely based on reality. Um, but it's just it's just not often. It's just it's an amazing idea to have a story where you just have this group of cops who is given. They're just given carte blanche to just don't arrest people. Literally, just kill them. Like we don't even want to arrest wow. them. That's what you're. Right. That's what you're secretly being told to do is just go take these people out. Um, that's an amazing idea for a movie, and and I wish it would have been handled with a more a more subtle but skilled hand. Um, which I I'm a fan of of uh, of the director of this movie, Ruben Fleischer. Oh, he yeah. did Zombieland. Um, 30, 30 minutes or less. <laughs> um, but I, I thought I really saw some, I, I saw some great things from him in, in Zombieland. And I was really excited to see what he was going to do next. And this, I don't know if this was necessarily a step backwards because I, this feels like 
he got a million notes from the studio and this was just tested ad nauseum and was just ruined by studios. But, um, so I don't hold this against him too much, but, um, I I was hoping, hoping for more than, than we got in this movie. But, uh, there's some good, it kind of, I think this was one of the first movies where we had, uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a beautiful couple. <laughs> yeah, was it, it came after, after uh, Crazy Stupid Love? Was it okay? That's what I was yeah. gonna. Never that's mind. What I was gonna say. Never mind. Which but, was Crazy Stupid Good. It was. It was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Gosling's abs. Yep. True, true star of the movie there. Jeez. Yep. But yeah, this was it was it was an okay movie. There, there's there's an action scene. It's, it's a it's a chase scene involving some old like 1940s or 30s vehicles. That's actually pretty cool. I actually appreciated that part of the movie. So, I mean, it's it's sort of worth a watch. I think Sean Penn was a little over the top, in my opinion. Really? Yes, that's what I was going to say. Uh, the, a big detractor for me was Sean Penn hamming it up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he hams it up well, um, yeah. but not so much here. I like him as a bad guy. One of my favorite movies is uh, Mystic River. Oh, yep. nice. I need to watch that again. And, and this is, and that's a better version of kind of what he was trying to do here. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or Dead Man Walking. Really good in that. That too, yeah. yeah. Gap movie. Oh. Nice. Ah. Um, interesting. Uh, but I remember from the trailers for, for Gangster Squad, was this, did this have kind of a strange filmmaking technique, like a strange, like coloring kind of thing? I think it was one of the early. I th- don't quote me on this, but I think it was one of the early movies to use the red camera. Maybe. Oh, interesting. Maybe not. Cause I, think, I want to say the red cameras came out in 2010. Maybe. Huh. I don't know. I kind of because my the first big movie was Public Enemies. That was okay. the first big movie to be shot with the red camera. I think. Interesting. And then Slumdog Millionaire was right. on the red as well. Huh. I might be wrong. I'm not yeah. sure, but. Um, Public Enemies. How was that? I haven't seen it. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, I did not see that either. I remember hearing awful things about it. It has, yeah. a, it has a great cast, and yeah. I, I enjoy Michael Mann's technique. Mm. But uh, the script needed a lot of work, really? and it just it had a lot of pacing issues. Huh. Um, it's worth a watch, but I'll yeah. I'll add to my list for S's and G's. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have no real input for Gangster Squad because I haven't seen it. Right. But I, I mean, I might I think I might check it out. Yeah. Um. Get back to you guys. Uh. That's what we have for gangster movies for this episode. Uh, there's clearly just so, so many yeah. other we've, movies. We've scratched the surface. Yeah. Like, I wanted well, to. you guys scratched the surface. <laughs> I don't have the surface. Right. I wanted to bring up The Untouchables, but I didn't have time to watch it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, like, I'm just looking at the list. I mean, there's a ton. Just, there's just a, a ton. Like, A Bronx Tale, which I think was De Niro's directorial debut. Tiny? A Bronx, a Bronx Tale? Tale? Yes. Yeah. Um, Another good father-son movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Carlito's Way, which I haven't seen. Same Once here. Upon a Time in America, which I haven't seen. American Gangster. Donnie Brasco, um, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, there's just a bunch of movies. We'll probably maybe eventually revisit this topic, but uh, that's we gave you a little taste of, of some mostly Scorsese movies to check out. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and move along to uh, some potpourri. How do you guys feel about that? Let's do it. I like it. Okay, cool. Hey, this is Tung from Teleadvised Uncensored, brought to you by BroCoolNation.com, and you're listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. All right, so if this is your first time listening, we do a potpourri section, which is just our basic, uh, what we're watching, what we're into, what we're, what we're 
excited about kind of kind of potpourri section pretty much it's uh, anything we want to talk about as long as it smells good is what we like to call it uh and so uh mike since since uh you since you didn't you've get been, a chance you've been waiting quietly since you've been waiting quietly what do you got for us for potpourri Thanks, this week guys <laughs> Uh, well, usually we pick one or two things that we're kind of interested in or, or, uh, we've seen or something we want to talk about. But I want to talk about, um, my stack. And what I refer to as my stack is my stack of movies that I have purchased, but have yet to watch that copy of. And everybody goes, wait, you haven't seen? And I say, no, 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 stop. <laughs> I have seen the movie. But I spent money on a copy and have not watched that copy of the movie yet. Gotcha. Okay. So that is my stack of movies. Um, and so the last month or so, I haven't really watched a whole lot of movies at home. You guys still there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, so I haven't watched a whole lot of movies at home. So they, my stack has been building up almost, um, Almost too far for comfort. Way too far for comfort. Uh-oh. I think it's my biggest stack ever. Really? Huh. Yeah, mostly because wow. I spent a lot of time in October watching Halloween movies. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'll just read what remains in my stack in no particular order, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll try to give a little bit of detail. Okay, uh, that's what I was going to say. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I've got from left to right, I'm looking at a picture of it right now, 12 Years a Slave, Her... Dexter season uh, eight, Dexter season seven, oh. Firefly the entire series, Highlander on Blu-ray, Frozen on Blu-ray, X-Men Days of Future Past on Blu-ray, Grand Budapest Hotel on Blu-ray, Hellraiser DVD, His Name Was Jason DVD, Begin Again DVD, That Awkward Moment DVD, Chef DVD, uh, <laughs> these are Blu-rays, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Snowpiercer, Live, Die, Repeat, or Edge of Tomorrow, <laughs> uh, on DVD, Smiley. I also need to watch in my Halloween collection, Halloween 3. Uh, I will not watch Halloween Resurrection, and I need to watch um, <laughs> Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Wow. Hmm. Uh, and then I have Moulin Rouge, Fast Five, Super Troopers, In Her Shoes, Garden State, The Great Escape, and Band of Brothers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's a lot. It, so what happened was mm-hmm. my brother-in-law moved to Portland, and it didn't want to didn't want to bring a lot of his movies so he left huh. for me uh everything i mentioned after moulin rouge moulin rouge fast five wow. super troopers in her shoes garden state great escape band of brothers so uh, those i don't feel so bad if i don't watch some in fact i might find out how to get rid of maybe one or two of them <laughs> is uh is is band of brothers blu-ray no it's dvd uh-huh. okay. please start with that <laughs> It's one yeah. of, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I've seen three of the episodes. Okay. I think okay. my brother loves Band of Brothers. Yeah, I can't remember. Are you are you not really big on war stuff, Mike? Uh, it depends on the <laughs> war thing. Okay, I, I don't I don't love it inherently because it's war. Okay. Um, but I do love Saving Private Ryan. It's mm-hmm. a lot of same people involved. Okay, I, of course. <laughs> I was gonna just that sounds so weird. Do you love war? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's our friend Greg from We Are Libertarians podcast. He's just not big on war movies. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He loves anyway. history movies though. Right. We need to have him on for history movies. Anyways, do you do you know where we're gonna start in that stack? <laughs> yeah. Mike? I don't. I have no idea. Well, I, I, I'll keep explaining. I got okay. uh, I got the Dexters because they were like. 12 bucks at Walmart. So I was like, well, I got to complete the collection. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then I buy a lot of used Blu-rays. Okay. Um, so that's where a lot of those came from. I got Firefly at my wedding. Nice. Um, X-Men Days of Future Past I got for my birthday. Just, just recently I found out that the last of the premiere videos in Evansville is closing down. So I went oh, in wow. and was kind of looking for a couple of things, but found Smiley Hellraiser and his name was Jason. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty excited about it. his name was Jason. That's a pretty good find. Is that a, a documentary or something? It is a documentary. Okay. Yeah. About Friday the 13th. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Kind of hard to find. I was, yeah. I was pleased with that. Uh, and then just most recently I went to, um, Oh, what was it? There's a family video. So I got uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Snowpiercer, and Live, Die, Repeat. Nice. Uh, <laughs> quick note about Live, Die, Repeat. Um, my sister just today uh, was asking me if I if like asking me if I have a, like she had a list of movies. She asked me if I had and she like she was like, uh, yeah, 22 Jump Street and uh, Live, Die, Repeat. And I'm like. You mean Edge of Tomorrow? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm just like, that's, that's, it's funny that the marketing, that the right. change has, has worked, I guess. Um, I think, I think it is all but changed. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, if they could, if they could yeah. have it changed, they would. I'm right. curious what the, uh, what the title card will be when you put in that, that Blu ray or DVD. That is a good question. Um, but yeah, uh, talking about Snowpiercer really quickly, I I wasn't too crazy about it when uh, we watched it, but it is on Netflix Instant now, and I'm planning on rewatching it very soon. Uh, when I'm less, t- I might actually watch it Friday. I think I'm going to commit to that. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, Are you planning on uh, diving into some of those over your breaks, Mike? Yes. Uh, well, Thanksgiving might be rough because we're going to Chicago mm-hmm. and. Uh, Sunday we've, we've got our panel that we're doing. And yeah. uh, so <laughs> I'll probably spend a lot of that playing Pokemon. I'm a grown <laughs> man who plays Pokemon. Nice. And then, uh, but Christmas break, I'm hoping to make a dent. And cool. you, you asked, yes. is there, do you, do I have any plans of starting anywhere? Uh, that's kind of tough because none of them are particularly daunting. Like I'm excited to watch all of them. Nice. What, what gets difficult is when I have some that I don't want to watch, but I don't know. I'll, I'll probably. I've been in the mood to see Spider-Man Two again, so I'll probably oh, start there. Thanks. To be honest. Cool. To be a complete dick, I'm gonna buy you the Stanley Kubrick Big Collector's Edition <laughs> oh, set. <Jesus> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I used to do that all the time. Have a stack yeah. of stuff that I own and just need to watch and just make my way through it. I have not done that in years, literally. Yeah. I, I have stacks. I, I mean, I had one for mm. years, and yeah. I always tell people that it started because of the sh- the sh- uh, Schindler's List, mm-hmm. which I had I owned but didn't watch for like five years. You used to stress me out talking me <laughs> talking about it because I would be like, <laughs> I know. just the just the it was like ah, uh, just so daunting to me. Um, but I have since then. Since uh-huh. then, I've cleared the stack about three times. Nice, nice. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel too bad about it right now. I'll, I'll get it taken care of. Okay. Nice. Uh, I have some stacks myself. Just you know, some Hitchcock movies, uh, yeah. Kurosawa movies, uh, decade review movies, yeah. the Bond franchise, Blu-ray set, several, several DVDs. I'm borrowing from Tiny, <laughs> some Blu-rays, including the right stuff and Schindler's List, and uh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I don't have one currently. So. Oh. Because oh, well, yeah. it, it stresses me out. So right. I right. try not to. Yeah. But you still got to watch uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah, that's totally on it. Yeah. You should. You should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But yeah, uh, have you watched her since since the theater, Mike? No, I haven't. All right, so let me know what you think when when you rewatch it. Because is that a Blu-ray? Uh, it's a DVD. Oh, uh, it Blu-ray just looks so beautiful on it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, uh, man, and I talked about this last week, but I just I loved watching that again. Um, yeah. Uh, so anything else you got for Potpourri, Mike? That ought to do it. Cool, Tiny. What do you got? Um, three things. Nice. Really quick though. Two of them will be quick. Um, the third season and final season of the newsroom started a couple weeks ago. Right. Just I know it's not an amazing show, but I just I can't help but love it. It's totally just. It's not even. I wouldn't say it's a guilty pleasure, but it's. I'm just a massive apologist for the show. <laughs> um, I just love Sorkin's pacing. I just love it so much. And uh, there have been two episodes. Uh, third episode will be tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's moving. It's very fast paced so far. Uh, I just, I, I'm really having a great time with it. I love, I love the ending of the last, the second episode from last week. It was okay. Really I was going to say, I thought you were going to say the ending of the second season. I was like, really? I liked the second season, but I under, I, yeah. so many people had to take issues with it and I can't really refute those issues. It's yeah. totally just a personal, I liked it. Yeah. I, I didn't, I liked it, but I didn't like the, it was a very rushed ending cause I don't think they, I don't think he thought that they were coming back. Right. Uh, so it was a very, and it was almost like rom-com like, which mm-hmm. I'm a rom-com apologist, but yeah. rom-comologist. It was a little out of place. It was, it was kind of weird. Amongst the seriousness of the, the, the arc, the arc for the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I haven't gotten a chance to watch season three yet, but, yeah. um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is another kind of very under the radar movie that I watched on Netflix instant that you all should watch. It's called mm-hmm. Scenic Route. Scenic, Scenic Route Route. Um, it stars, um, Josh Duhamel and, mm-hmm. um, wow, I want to say Josh Gad, but that's not his name. Um, I can't think of his name. He's a comedic actor from, uh, uh oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> take me home tonight. The, the the heavy set guy oh um uh uh something can't think of his name mighty fanboy dan dan yeah, dan fogler yeah. uh, dan fogler i dan think fogler. it's poor man's jack black is uh, his name <laughs> <laughs> that's dan. what he kind of called josh gad a little bit yeah uh, dan fogler this is dan name. fogler yeah. dan fogler right um which is two actors i wouldn't really think to be together to start mm-hmm. they're they're the co-stars of the movie there's no leading they're the co-stars of the movie mm-hmm. um it is it's just about these two guys who go on. A, they're two old best friends. One of them has become very successful. He's married and has kids. The other one's like a loser who's like living, like basically lives out of his truck. Um, and so they just kind of get together every once in a while to kind of have fun together. And and uh, that's what this movie's about. They go on a road trip and they get stranded, and it just goes from there. Nice. Um, and it's just the performances between the two actors are just really great. Um, I, I I really didn't. I had I had like no expectations going in. But it really was a surprise for me, and I liked it. Liked nice. it a lot. So I won't go into too many details. Um, Mike, I don't know how you'd feel about the ending, <laughs> but uh, I think you'd like the bulk of it, though. Nice. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and the last thing I wanted to bring up is another movie that's on Netflix Instant that you can all watch. Um, please go watch uh, John DiMaggio's movie. I know that voice. Oh yeah, the documentary he made about voice actors, nice. um, voiceover acting. It's so charming and endearing, and just it's just a feel good movie. It's just, these people that just absolutely love what they do for a living, and it's it. You don't realize how much of a community it is. 
as opposed, I mean, you know, on air actors or on screen actors, I guess they're you know they're all tight knit and they're real actors. Real actors. I'm kidding. <laughs> totally joking. <laughs> um, they're they're a tight knit group as well, but you know they're all these big famous stars with massive egos and right. they're all ridiculously competitive with one another. Um, but these people are truly these voiceover people are truly like a community who will like recommend each other for jobs and stuff. That's really cool. That's like un- that unprecedented. Is cool. um, nice. And just just to see the faces behind some of the most famous voices you've heard yeah. over the years, John DiMaggio. I just he is ridiculously talented. So nice. Yeah. Um, have you have either of you seen the movie In a World? I haven't. I seen have it. Lake, ha- Lake Bell's movie. Yeah. How does that compare? Or I mean, like, does it would it would that make a good double feature with it would. that voice? It nice. would. Um, it was okay. I didn't love it. But I, I really appreciated the concept, and I think Lake Bell is really talented. She's funny. Mm-hmm. But the movie just really wasn't that funny really? uh, in a world. The the idea was funnier than it ended up actually being. Okay. Um, but it's definitely worth a watch, though. I, I liked her. There's um, Rob Corddry's awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, that, that would be a good double feature, though. Yeah. Um, I know that nice. voice, and in a world. is I know that voice is, in, is on Netflix. They're both on Netflix. They're both stuff. on Netflix. Yeah. Oh. I might, I might, you know, I, Thanksgiving weekend, I might, well, if I have time, uh, I might, I might go for that. Yeah. Go for that double feature. So that's, nice. uh, that's my potpourri. That's what you got? Yep. Nice. Um, Maddie. I got, I, I watched this in preparation for recording tonight. Uh, Captain Phillips. Okay. Um, and I kind of got this kind of, kind of idea because I'm, I'm starting to put together, uh, the idea for our, uh, our, uh, Oscars episode, like we're going to do the same thing we did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I've been kind of thinking about Oscar season and Oscar bait stuff. Um, and so I kind of have this in my head, like maybe I'll go back and just watch the, the nominees from last year that I didn't get around to. Um, so the first one of that is Captain Phillips and I, I really liked it. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, there a lot of people that I've heard talk about it talk about how uh Tom Hanks you don't you don't really get why he was nominated until the ending <laughs> and man I mean I was nearly nearly brought to tears yeah. in, in just those closing yep. minutes um and it's 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 not like it's not like this big like uh this big sequence like maybe it's a credit to Paul Greengrass's uh, style, but it's not really this big like oh this is the moment sequence. It's like it's the denouement of the of the movie. It's it's the it's it's the aftermath of of everything that goes on, and it's just it's it's a run of the mill scene kind of, mm-hmm. um, and it's just it's it's, it's, it's so powerful. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's incredibly powerful. Um, it's an, it's a ridiculously good depiction of emotional shock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Um, and the, but the, the whole movie, the whole movie, the movie as a whole, I, I thought was, I thought was really good. Um, I thought it was kind of, uh, it was really interesting to see these two, um, these two guys, because again, it's, it's kind of, it's a movie about like, you know, Captain Phillips and the, the lead, uh, pirate, um, and kind of how they how they work within their own their separate groups i guess mm-hmm. um cuz they each have like groups of people that are looking up to them mm-hmm. for leadership and whatnot and i kind of 
there's like kind of a whole sequence that's kind of like a kind of like a home alone on a on a on a ship kind of sequence i guess <laughs> um <laughs> Which I, which I thought was really good, um, but once once they get into the life raft, I was kind of like, it, it was kind of like it was a little long after that. But I agree one hundred percent. Yeah, but it was still it was still pretty compelling. Um, but Paul Greengrass's style, I mean, like I blind bought the Blu-ray. Uh, say that five times fast. Um, <laughs> but I I blind bought it, and I mean. Like I don't have a problem with shaky cam until now, because um, it's kind of like tiny. I th- I think I I think I remember you saying this either about the movie Friday Night Lights or the TV show Friday Night Lights, but um, or maybe it was about something else. But I remember you saying like the camera doesn't have to move in every fucking shot. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt about um, Captain Phillips, which is kind of ridiculous because it should, cause they're on, on water. They're on the ocean, <laughs> yeah. but it was still kind of like just kind of aggravating. And I know what you mean. Yeah. And, yeah. There, and there's something to be said about, I mean, it's visually, it's, it's a beautiful movie cause it takes place on the ocean. There's these really just like really beautiful, like sweeping shots of mm-hmm. just like, like kind of helicopter shots of, of the ship. And, and once the Navy ships are there, the, the Navy ships and all that, but when you get up close with the the handheld like shaky cam stuff, it's like it's very very like kind of grainy and kind of just gritty and mm-hmm. I'm like that works for certain types of movies, but I mean just have a steady cam, dude. Just right. have like have like film or something or have like a like a something something. Yeah. Um that cuz it was it was kind of distracting me a little bit, but uh all in all I liked it. I'm not upset that I bought it. Um. Yeah, that's about it. I'm kind of curious to. I'm. I meant to go back and check out. Uh, the real Captain Phillips did an AMA on Reddit. I'm kind of curious to go back and check that out. Um, and and look at to see what what they changed because I remember wasn't there something like they changed something significant about the story? I don't recall. Okay, Mike, yeah. do you know anything about that? I don't remember either. Okay. Um. But yeah, it was good. It was compelling. Um. Tom Hanks at the end, man. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um makes me want to check out uh Saving Mr. Banks. Great. Uh, oh yeah, it movie. was good. Nice. Yeah. It's nice. really good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh just uh, yeah, and I mean Tom Hanks just Emma Thompson is the standout in that movie. Really? She's remarkably good. Nice. Yeah. Does Tom Hanks play her? <laughs> Cuz Tom Hanks is awesome. Anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah. So is that it? I think so. to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, we'll throw it to our pre-recorded outro so you can, you can figure out where to find us and where to follow us and all that stuff. Um, coming up on the blog, this is Thanksgiving week, so it might be a little light on the blog stuff. Uh, I still haven't posted some of the stuff I meant to post last week. I've just been a little bit behind, but I'm hoping to make a good dent in, uh, in the decade reviews and stuff. Oh, I completely forgot to bring up something about Fast Five, but never mind. Um, yeah, look forward to my franchise review of the Fast and Furious series in April. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, go home and get your fucking shine box. <laughs> Ever since we did the, started this podcast, I've wanted to do a gangster movies episode. God damn it! <laughs> Goodfellas reference. Yeah, uh, mine too. Yeah. Hey, uh, shoot that guy! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> uh, 
All right, That's thanks. beautiful. Thanks, thanks guys. guys. But yeah, did you see what I posted in the in the pod chat with the the popcorn and 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 stuff? Basically, I'll just say it to you. It, it was a picture of the popcorn that I bought, and then I bought Captain Phillips and uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier on Blu-ray. You put that in the pod chat? Yeah. Uh, and then I took a picture of, of those three items and then I put in the pot chat. I said that the guy behind me in line saw what I was buying and was like, looks like movie night. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. and so I said, uh, you actually said that? I didn't say that. I okay. didn't, I wish I did, but I was like, yeah, yeah okay, s- we're back. I'm so alone. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, okay. So. As always, loyal listeners, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And thank you, of course, to Loud Like for providing our awesome opening theme music. Their first EP, uh, their first of a few actually coming out in the next few months. Check them out. Uh, Anyway, it's called Mistakes We Must Make and features our theme song and a clips of events. Um, make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes after you listen to this episode. It helps us out a lot, uh, and it gives us the ability to say, hey, people like us. Also, please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer, and you can follow each of us on Twitter. You can find Matt at obsessive viewer, tiny is obsessive tiny, and me, Mike, I'm at I am Mike White on Twitter. You can also check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com where all three of us, but mostly Matt, review movies and TV shows and uh, talk about all kinds of things. It's kind of the the written form of this podcast. Um, You can also check out Obsessive Book Nerd, which has book reviews and commentary on the evolving world of reading. And also check out Tiny's The Secular Perspective, which is a podcast exploring the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. Um, if you have any thoughts on the podcast in general or this particular podcast you just listened to or even suggestions for future podcasts, please, please email us individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or you can just email the podcast directly as a whole kind of directed to all three of us at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. <laughs>